0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for this leadership series where we're talking about eight qualities of great leaders. Hey, we all lead someone somewhere and we hope the quality that we talk about today will help you lead better tomorrow. Before you sign off, don't forget to check in at branchlife.church. We'd love to hear from you and stay to the end of this talk. I've got some more information before you go. I hope you enjoyed today's leadership quality. All right. well good morning everybody. Welcome to Worship Today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and if this is your first time with us, I just want to say welcome to you. We're so glad that you could join us today as we gather together to know and follow Jesus better. Here at Branch Life Church, we believe we are better together and we're asking God to call people together as his church to pursue him well and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Man, it's a, it's a great Sunday to be with us because it's dry in here, right? And it's, it's wet out there. You guys made it on a rainy Sunday, and I'm so glad that you guys did come today. Uh, If you have not yet done that check-in, please check in. Even if you're here every week, we want you to check in. If you're with us online, you can go to the website, follow the link that's online. And every week you're here, check in. Even if it's just putting your name in, that's fine. But everybody check in every week. That would help us tremendously if you did that through the QR code. And if you need the, the form itself, go ahead and write that down and stick it in the offering plate. We are in the middle of a series called LEAD as we go through the book of Nehemiah together. So, hopefully, everybody has their Nehemiah journal. Uh, Grab that, wave that at me. If you didn't get one, there's some on the back windows or down at the Connection Center. Grab one on the way out. We're going to be in pages seven and eight today. In the series we're calling LEAD, talking about eight qualities of influential leaders. Now, so far, we've covered two qualities. And today we're into our third quality. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 11. And we've kind of been parked in this area for the last couple of weeks. So my Nehemiah journal, especially on page 7, I'll show it to you here right now. It's getting a little full, right? we got all kinds of of, uh, room for notes. So if you're like me and you've got no more room, start writing on the next page because that's where we'll be doing the bulk of our talking today, even though we're going to read and spend some time back on page seven. The whole idea of this series is simply this. We all have God-given influence to leverage for kingdom impact. Every single one of you are leading somewhere, somehow. Whether it's an official position of leadership, like dad, mom, uh, boss, pastor, coach, teacher, whatever it might be, manager... Or whether it's unofficial, you have a group of friends that you hang out with, a a small group that you're a part of, or you just are leading yourself through a given day. All of us have been given God, given uh, influence that we're to leverage for kingdom impact. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to lead well? And our desire as leaders is to make an impact in this world. We want to see good things happen on planet earth for the name of God. And so today, I want you to think about this quote, and if you want to write this down, this kind of sums up this morning. If you truly want to make a difference on earth, you need power from heaven. If you truly want to make a difference on earth, you need power in heaven. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, what we're reading through today, remember our character, Nehemiah, a simple servant to the king, saw his hometown, Jerusalem, that the walls, which are necessary for survival, had been destroyed. He was troubled by this and he cared passionately. That's our first mark of an influential leader. They see what others do not, and their heart breaks when others don't care. He saw the need, and he cared about it. And the walls being torn down caused him to do what all of us should do when life gets heavy, caused him to fall to his knees. The second quality of an influential leader is they pray, hence the shirt, right? Last week, Pastor Alex talked to us about the idea of prayer, and we should just pray, period. I am not wearing the same shirt that Alex had on last week. This this is not his shirt. He bought me this as a present, knowing that today we'd be talking to you about the third quality of an influential leader. If, If you see a need and you care and you pray about it, then what are you supposed to do? Influential leader number three, pray again influential leaders pray again why if you truly want to make a difference here on earth you need the power from heaven we want to unpack that together today so if you have your bibles go with me to nehemiah chapter one or in your journals page seven we're going to start reading back in verse four and we're going to read all the way through 11 this is our text for this morning Remember the context, right? Nehemiah, we've introduced to this character. He's in exile in Persia. He's a cupbearer to the king. He's talking. He hears about his need back home in Jerusalem where the walls had been torn down, which is a big problem in Bible times. His his nation was in danger. Verse 4. As soon as I, Nehemiah, heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, this is his prayer. O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of my people, Israel, who have sinned against you, even I and my father and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you And we have not kept your commandments, your statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the words of your commandment to your servant Moses, saying that if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. That's his first prayer. That's the prayer that we covered last week. That's a prayer of confession. That's a prayer of humility. That's a prayer of, God, you are so great, and I am so not great, right, and I confess myself, I'm nobody. Lord, thank you for loving me, saving me, caring about me. And now he goes into his second prayer. In verse 9, he says, but. But if you return to, my, to, to me and you keep my commandments and you do them, though you are outcast to the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather you and bring you back to a place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. That was a promise to Israel. They are your servants and your people who you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Verse 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight and fear your name, and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This is a powerful prayer. We're going to unpack that today. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. You see, Nehemiah prayed, and he prayed again. The question we're asking yourself this morning is, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? You may be like me, where you go through certain seasons of your life where these words describe your prayer life. The number one word used by people to describe their prayer life in America today is irregular. That's the one that most people use. The number two word is aimless. Now, what does that mean? Irregular. I want to pray. I desire to pray. I I wish I would pray, but I go through whole seasons where I don't pray. I miss it for days or weeks or months on end, and then I'll pray once, and I'll want to do maybe twice, and I'll start doing a prayer commitment or a prayer journal, and, and it just falls out. Irregular. Aimless is when I get to pray, and I bow my head, and I close my eyes, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't have anything to give to God. I don't know what to talk about. Aimless prayers. Dull prayers and boring prayers are the prayers that you fall asleep to, right? Do you, have you ever met someone that's like, I pray right when I'm going to bed, and I have my head on the pillow, and I'm wondering why my prayer life is struggling. Because I'm so asleep so fast. And someone may not know they have a dull prayer life until you hear them pray out loud, and then you're asleep right next to them, right? Like, it's just dull prayers. Like, there's, there's not a lot in there. And if you start praying through a list of, like, sick people, that, that's not that exciting. And then predictable. Predictable prayers. And there's a lot of examples of predictable prayers. And maybe you're out there going, I don't have the problem of predictable prayers, but I do. I've had predictable prayers as a part of my life all my life. The first predictable prayer is these mouthful prayers. Now, my wife this week made my favorite meal, which is roast in the crock pot. It's the kind of roast that kind of melts when you go to stab it and it just kind of shreds apart and it's got the gravy and you have the bread with the butter and you put the gravy on it and you got the roast and the carrots are soft. You, you, know, you understand what I'm talking about? All God's people said amen, right? Like, that, like that's the meal. And like we get there and we get to this meal and, it, and it's, it's, it's smelling in the kitchen and we're ready to go and it's all set out and I'm there and they're there and the kids are coming and everyone's sort of distracted and nobody's going to know that I'm starting to eat the roast, Right? Unless my kids look up, which they do, and they go, "Dad, we haven't prayed yet." I'm like, well, I haven't prayed yet. I don't know what you're talking about." And then someone goes, "Well, now you're going to choke on that because you haven't prayed for it, right?" The old joke, "You didn't pray," and people make fun of people for not praying. Listen, there is no rule in the Bible about praying before every meal. It just doesn't exist. So stop yelling at me when I want to eat my roast before everyone's seated, right? It's also bad manners to eat before your wife is sat down. I understand that as well. But, so what happens when you catch yourself with a mouthful of food and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to pray right now, and I didn't, and now I need to, and we got a mouthful of prayer. And you say, dear God, thank you for this food. Bless to our bodies. Amen. Let's go, right? Let's eat. That is a predictable prayer. There's all kinds of versions of predictable prayers and and uh, the most popular opening line for prayers are, "Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Please be with us." We pray that prayer constantly, and we pray it on autopilot. What are you saying, dear Heavenly Father? Thank you for this day. Please be with us. Is that just predictable? Is it just road? Is it just going through the motions? Sometimes you can have a great prayer, and it can be predictable. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thine is the power and the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Let's eat. I mean, that's a good prayer. But did you actually pray it or did you just repeat it? Maybe you come from a religious tradition where You pray the same prayer over and over and over and over and over and over. Same words, same phrases, same sentences. Thinking that somehow the predictable prayer is going to give you some sort of in with God. And we struggle in seasons, I have and probably you have as well, with this kind of prayer life. But there are seasons and there are moments, and it's been true for me and it's probably been true for you, where your prayer life has been strong. Where your prayer life could be described not as irregular, aimless, dull, boring, and predictable, but constant. God, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Intentional. I know exactly what I want to talk to God about. I've got a plan. I have to talk to God. I have to ask God and get his counsel and and go to him. I have to pray His, his prayer, Lord's Prayer. I have to pray scripture. I have to give God my burdens and concerns. Maybe there's been moments where your prayers have been powerful and you've seen God move powerfully. There's been boldness that you've had before the God of the universe, the God who knows all things, can do all things, sees all things, is all-powerful, is all-present. When I'm talking to that guy, stuff gets done. And these are bold prayers that we bring before God, not boring prayers. Maybe in these seasons you would even describe your prayers as dangerous. Dangerous prayers that you ask God. And we want to talk about what it means to pray dangerous prayers this morning. Our hope is that every person connected to branch life would have a healthy and powerful prayer life where you would be constantly bringing dangerous, bold prayers before God, where you couldn't help but not pray, where God would be a regular part, prayer would be a regular part of your rhythms. Why? Because Influential leaders pray and they pray again And if we were a praying church, man, there's no stopping what God would do If we're a praying family, if we're a praying school, if we're a praying business If we're a praying neighborhood, there's no stopping what God will do So one of the most powerful things you can do if you want to get stuff done If you want to see transformation in your kids' lives If you want to see your business on fire for God, if you want to see your community transformed and the world changed, is pray and pray again. Have a healthy prayer life. So the question is simply this, how can I have a powerful prayer life? How can I do it? I'm in. Let's go. I want to have a powerful prayer life. Nehemiah chapter 1 gives us some ideas about how to have a powerful prayer life. And let me show them to you. First, you need to plan to pray persistently. You need to plan to pray persistently. That's a lot of P's, right? Like, I'm spitting in the microphone. You need to plan to play persistently. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. Let me just remind you of this verse. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for how long? Say it. Days. And continued fasting and praying. For how long? Days. There was a persistent prayer That was in the story of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is going to spend the rest of the book doing incredible things for God. Why? It started with days of prayer and fasting that he continued in. Plan on persistent prayer. I want you to think about Daniel. If you know about Daniel from the Bible, Daniel was the slave who was captured, right, by Babylon. And he was just a teenager, just a a kid. And what can a kid do as a slave in another country? Well, Daniel rose from the position of a slave to one of the top rulers of the entire empire. He worked right along with the king. Well, how did that happen? What was the secret to Daniel's leadership? What was the secret to his success? What caused him to become an influential leader? Do you know what Daniel did every day, three times a day? In the morning, In the afternoon and the evening. He did it at the same time. He did it at the same spot. He prayed. Daily prayed he three times. And God caused Daniel to become one of the most powerful leaders that ever lived. Why? Because he prayed persistent prayers. Over and over again, when you connect your your prayer life to God... God then brings the power of heaven to you on earth. Now you might be saying, all right, I want to pray, but I just don't have what's the first excuse? Time. Where'd the time go? I'm too busy. There's too much going on. I just had a baby, and babies don't sleep. And they mess up your schedule. How can I have persistent prayer? I started a business, and there's so much going on with the demanding time in my business. I have five babies. I have kids. They turned into teenagers, and our life is crazy. They got sports and music and school, and, and I'm a pastor of a church, and it's growing, and we got four services, and there's all kinds of things that have to happen. I, there's no way that I have time to have persistent prayer. Life is just too busy, and you know immediately the problem with that. Give me your phone. Give me your phone. Give me your phone, and I'm going to bring up screen time, right? And then we're going to hit the screen time button. We're going to see how many hours a day are on that screen. And then if we somehow could, technology-wise, bring in the television screen and the computer screen, right, and the video game screen and and the football watching screen and the the hanging out and golfing screen, right, like all the stuff that we put our time into, and you really realize real quickly, you probably have more time than you think you have. And if you are believing that the reason you don't have a healthy prayer life is because you don't have time, you are believing a lie. You are being told something that is is tricking your mind. The reason you are not praying is not because you're too busy. And I, I, I need you to believe that right now. The reason you are not praying is not because you're too busy. The reason you are not praying is because you're too proud. The number one reason we don't pray is not time, it's pride. I want you to look at this on the screen and think about it together. It's not because you're busy, it's because you're proud. The reason pride is such a problem is because I don't pray when I don't think I need to. If I really thought that I needed God, if I really thought that I needed God's power and heaven's power, If I really thought that I couldn't get through today without his help, without his hand, without his mercy, without his wisdom, without his strength, then I would insist on prayer. And I'll tell you the difference in my life between the seasons where my prayers were inconsistent and aimless to where my prayers were bold and powerful is when life was so heavy Life was so hard, the project was so massive that I could, literally couldn't stand on my own, but I had to fall to my knees. And the moment you fall to your knees, you realize, I can't do this. I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the strength. And when we humble ourselves and we recognize that I must have God's power, then and only then does prayer become persistent in our lives. That's when we say, I need God every hour I need you. I've got a new baby. I'm awake at 2 in the morning. That's my new prayer time right? I've got five kids. we got to drive to soccer practice. That's my new prayer time. I've got to talk to God today about all of these things because I can't do it without Him. Persistent prayer then becomes the, our greatest assault on pride. If you pray persistently like Daniel did, you are reminding yourself over and over and over again each and every day that God is God and you are not. That God has the power and you do not. That God has the answers that you do not have. And persistent prayer is our greatest assault on pride. So what would cause us to have a powerful prayer life? Plan on persistent prayer. Get out of the way and let God do what only God can do. The second second thing we need to have a powerful prayer life, also in verse 4, is we need to plan to pray sacrificially. We need to plan to pray sacrificially. That's why the idea of prayer and fasting is introduced. For days I mourned and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Why, why is fasting such a big deal? Well, while prayer acts while prayer attacks the pride of life, fasting attacks the lust of the flesh. While prayer attacks the pride of life, fasting attacks the, the lust of the flesh. Traditionally in Scripture, fasting is giving up food so that you can focus on. Prayer, focus on God. You can fast for a meal, you can fast for a day, you can fast for days or even weeks. Jesus Himself fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, fasting does not give you an up on your prayers. In other words, God's not going, I would have said yes, but you didn't fast. It's not, it's not how it works. Fasting is designed for our benefit. Fasting is designed for, for our faith, for our humility. And so that we can come to God intentionally, more persistently, and more passionately, and more bold. Because we have sacrificed something that we want to feed ourselves, to satisfy ourselves. We've set it aside so that we can find our satisfaction, not in that food, but in God. And when I fast, I am saying, God, I'm willing to give up myself so that I can have more of you. And I can come to that table and I can see that giant roast that's been it's just so tender and falling apart and the gravy and the bread, and I can I want it like I need it, but I can say, I will give it to God. I'm gonna let it go, and I'm gonna spend the time I would have spent prepping and preparing that meal, connecting to my Lord and Savior. You can fast social media. You can fast technology. You can fast an eagle's season. Derek's here today wearing an eagle jersey. You can fast an eagle month. Amen. Feel free to help me out here. You can fast the first quarter okay it's the first quarter I mean what's really going to happen in the first quarter unless you're Aaron Rodgers and the first quarter really matters (laughs) you can give up the thing that you lust after the lust of the flesh and commit that time to God listen to me that's powerful prayer that's powerful prayer That will transform your prayer life. And when Jesus did his 40 days and 40 nights of prayer, and we see it several times in scripture, Jesus was at his weakest, right, physically. He didn't have food for 40 days. And that's when Satan said, I'm going to come in and you're physically at your weakness. I'm going to tempt you three times. I'm going to tempt you with the pride of life. I'm going to tempt you with the lust of the flesh. But Jesus was not at his weakest at the end of that 40 days. He was at his strongest. He was spiritually connected with God, and able to resist all of those temptations. And then he launched into his three years of earthly ministry, went from there, did all the miracles, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and saved all of humanity. How did he start with that? He started with prayer and fasting. I believe that when you're at the start of anything big, when you're at the start of anything important, you should sacrifice in prayer through fasting. If you're about to have a child, and maybe it's your firstborn, or maybe you just had a child, you should, mom and dad, you should do some prayer and fasting. Why? You should pray over the life of that child. When you're about to get married, right, and you're getting ready to be, you're engaged, and you're planning the wedding, you, engaged couple, you should be pray, pray and fast together at some point during that prayer thing. We had premarriage counseling last night. The couple is going to get married next week. They're going to have a. Uh, uh, what's it called when you see each other? First look, right? They're going to see each other before the ceremony and they're going to get it videoed and it's going to be amazing and it's adorable and it's cute and it's awesome. You know what I asked them to do at that first look? You should pray together. You should pray together at that first look. Why? Because that's the moment, that's the moment you're, you're getting ready to start your family that day and that moment. And let's pray first. And let's ask God for big things and amazing things over our family. Teenager, if you're starting a new school year, it would be a good idea to do some prayer and fasting. Skip a meal or two or an Eagles game. Amen? We're not there yet. All right. Skip, skip the Eagles game, right? And 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 give God that school year. Give God that that sports season, right? Whatever it is that we're starting. A business? A church? Let's start with prayer and fasting. We launched Branch Life Church in 2019. It took us a year of preparation, 2018, there were a lot of days of prayer and fasting as we led up to the launch in 2019. Why? Because we need God. If we want to do anything on earth, we need the power of heaven. And the last thing that we learned from Nehemiah, and this is, this is what we're going to look at in the verses 5 through 11, is that we should pray dangerous prayers. We should pray dangerous prayers. Look at this, look at this challenge. Influential leaders go Boldly before God to ask dangerous, life-changing, world-transforming, God-glorifying prayers. If I'm in the presence of the almighty God of the universe, I'm going to ask him for big God things. I want God to do what only God can do. I want God to go where only God can go. And I am just thankful and blessed to be a part of the ride that God is on. Like, God, you're awesome. Can you take care of cancer? God, can you take care of my neighbor who's rejected you for 20 years? God, can you transform my finances? Lord, can you help save Pennsylvania? Can you... Can you bring God to the the continent of Africa? Lord, can you stop wars? Lord, can you do what only you can do so only you could get the credit? So many times we go before God and we say, Lord, please don't let it rain on my parade. I got a picnic today, God, and there's 70% chance of rain. Can you do something about that? Okay. God, I, I, I got a cold and I, I, I really don't want to have a cold so you help me not have a cold. Aunt so-and-so is not feeling well and my dog's been acting funny. Lord, can you take care of those things? That's what you're going to ask God. Now listen, I got no qualms with asking God little things. I got no qualms asking God to help with the dog and Aunt Susie. But don't forget to ask the bold prayers don't forget to go after the big things the powerful things the life-changing things the transforming things the dangerous things in hebrews chapter 14 verse 16 it says let us therefore the therefore is there because of how great god is let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace with confidence asking god to use and do what only he can do so what are some dangerous prayers Well, in the book of Nehemiah, we see last week that good leaders pray. So Nehemiah 1, 5 through 8, Nehemiah is praying a prayer of confession. And the dangerous prayer that he is praying in that first part of Nehemiah is he's praying, search me. He's asking God to search him so that he can confess his sins, the sins of his family, and the sins of his nation. He's saying, God, search me. Search us. Now, now you're talking about a dangerous prayer Have you ever asked God to search you, to look into the very depths of your heart, to inspect your motives, to understand your finances, to to watch how you parent, to think about your attitude and your thoughts and where you go online, how you spend your downtime, what you do with your taxes? Do you want God to actually look at every part of who you are and what you are? If you actually want God to search you and show you who you are, you better be prepared, like Isaiah, to get broken. Because we do an active, good job at keeping God out of our lives, keeping a corner of our house to ourselves, holding on to that hobby or that sin or that relationship, or that activity that we know God doesn't want us to be a part of, but somehow I think I can keep it hidden from Him, and I can hold on to it and still live partly with God. And when you say, Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me, here's what happens when He answers that prayer. He shows it to you. And sometimes we come to God with a prayer of confession, and we pray this, God, if I have sinned in any way, in any time in my life, Forgive me and thanks. That's not a dangerous prayer. And what if I did that with my wife? Honey, I know we've been struggling. And whatever I've done, if that's hurt you, I'm sorry. That's not how it works, right? But if you pray, God, search me, know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me, I want to challenge you, get alone. Get a piece of paper and a pen, and get ready to write. Because God is gonna start to reveal to you in your heart where you have fallen short, where you are wicked, where you're holding on to something you shouldn't hold on to. And he's going to say, you have an unforgiving spirit. You should have forgiven that person decades ago, but you're holding it against him, and I'm revealing your unforgiving spirit. You have to write down, unforgiving. And God, please forgive me for being unforgiven. Help me to realize that you have forgiven me for everything, and the least I can do is forgive others for what they've done against me. God, I pray that you would forgive me and give me the power to be a good, forgiving person person and that's just one what if he shows you where you've hated somebody where you've murdered somebody in your spirit. Where you've cheated on your, on your relationship because of what you've looked at on the screen. Where you've taken your money and you've stolen from other people. Where you've done things with your business and with your family and with your home that, that you know you shouldn't have done. And God reveals those things to you and you take each one, write them down by name. I confess hatred, I confess lust, I confess adultery, I confess murder, I confess all of these things before you, God. Why would you do that? Because you prayed the prayer, search me. That's a dangerous prayer. But as soon as you find that brokenness, and, and Isaiah got here, he said, God, when I look in my heart and see my heart the way you see my heart, I realize, Lord God, that right now I am, I am nothing. I'm, I'm filthy rags. I'm, I'm dirty and I'm broken and, and I'm useless. And God, I bring my dirty rags to you. And when we get to that place and we find true confession, we will also find restoration. We will find forgiveness. We will find compassion. And just like that prodigal son who came running back to his father was embraced by his father, you will be in that moment embraced by your heavenly father who will love you and hold you and say, I have died for you. My blood covers your sins. My righteousness is now your righteousness. My power is your power. My wisdom is your wisdom. And in, in that moment, in that powerful prayer of confession, you can Finally realize, God, I've been proud when you want me to be humble. And I know, Lord, that I need you every hour I need you. And watch what God will do. Nehemiah first did a prayer of confession. And for many of us, we need to pray these prayers in confession. That's why we have communion on a regular basis. Day in and day out, we have to go to God and say, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then... Then Nehemiah prayed again, and this is where it gets kind of amazing. In in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 11, his prayer changes from search me to send me, and send me is a dangerous prayer to pray. Did you see it in Nehemiah chapter 11? It said, "O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. I am nothing, right? And to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. I want to please you, God in everything that I am, and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. What's he saying? Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah is the servant and this man is the king. Nehemiah is asking the God of the universe to change the heart of the king and to use a cupbearer to do it. He's asking God to give him success. You see, Nehemiah saw the need of the walls, and he had a plan. He felt that God was going to use him, a a servant, to rebuild the walls. And in order to do that, step number one, to get permission from the king. He was praying a dangerous prayer. God, give me success. Give me opportunity. Give me favor in the sight of the king. Help him to approve my request. Help him to do what... what he shouldn't do he shouldn't care about the walls of Jerusalem he shouldn't send away his servant but God I want you to transform this man's heart that's a dangerous prayer and God is saying what what if Nehemiah what if God says yes well then Nehemiah is changing careers Nehemiah is changing locations Nehemiah is moving to a a new city Nehemiah has got a brand new huge project rebuild the walls that he's going to be responsible for that's a dangerous prayer But Nehemiah was willing to pray it because he knew he had a dangerous God behind him that could help him accomplish something that he would never be able to do on his own. And over and over again in Scripture, we see dangerous prayers being prayed. Moses prayed, God save us. And the Red Sea parted. And the entire nation of Israel walked on dry land through the past these giant walls of water this incredible miracle and when the egyptian army tried to follow them god closed the river on top of them and drowned the entire army that's a dangerous prayer david prayed for deliverance in in psalm 59 he was being hunted by saul's army he's alone in a cave and he says god deliver me in other words fight the battle that i can't fight take care of my enemies and god did In Psalm 38, David prays the prayer for Search Me. Hannah is an amazing character in Scripture. She was a mom who couldn't have kids. Devastated by infertility. She reached out to God with her prayers, and she said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. That's a dangerous prayer. God gave her a son. For this child I prayed, and she gave Samuel back to the Lord. Isaiah said, Uh, Hannah prayed, heal me. Isaiah prayed, send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And what if he does? What if he sends your kids? What if he sends your your family? What if he sends your, your small group leader? Lord, here am I. Send me to the worship team. God, send me to lead a small group. Lord, send me to help kids know Jesus more. Send me to my neighborhood. God, send me to the Northeast. Lord, send me anywhere. Send me to Africa. Send me to Canada. Send me to the Dallas Cowboys. We're really hung up on this football thing today, right? Like, you understand the struggle is real. That's a dangerous prayer. What if he does? What if he does? And Jesus prayed one of the most dangerous prayers we can all pray is, God, not my will, but yours. Don't do what I want. Do what you want. And when Jesus prayed that prayer, that meant that Jesus would hang on a cross and die a death that we should have all died. Pay a price that we should have all pray, paid so that we could have righteousness. And Jesus said, Let this can't cut past for me. I don't want to go through with this. But he said, Not your will, but mine. What a dangerous prayer. Are you praying dangerous prayers? Is your prayer life regularly have statements like these and others in them? God, break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to care about what you care about. And God doesn't really care if the Eagles win or lose. I want to be broken for the things that you're broken about. And I want to have a passion for the things that you're passionate about. Teach me to be patient and humble. Whoa, right? Dangerous prayer alert. Next time you're sitting in traffic and you're like, I can't believe it. My wife and I left for the Jersey Shore last Thursday for two nights. Last Thursday was the Eagles home opener in Philly. Between us and the Jersey Shore is Philly. Traffic for days. Who prayed for patience in my family? Somebody did, because God answered that prayer. I'm going to teach you to be patient. I'm going to teach you to be humble. I'm going to give you something that frustrates you, something that hurts you, something that you have to, to suffer through so that you can have more patience and humility. Lord, your will be done, but not mine. Search, my, search me and, and know my heart. Here am I, send me. If you could pray only one prayer before God and you knew God would answer it, if if you would pray something so big that it was only God could address it, what would you pray? And over the last two weeks, we've been asking you this question in this way What's your wall? What's the need that you see that needs to be met? What's the responsibility that you have that's bigger than, than you? Where you need the power of heaven to help you truly make a difference here on earth. And last week we challenged you to start praying for 14 minutes a day for 14 days. And we're on day 7. And some of you wrote down your your big prayers, your wall prayers in the prayer journal. And we have more of these if you need them. Some of you put them in your Nehemiah journal. You can go online and and click the little blue button in the corner. And put your prayer on the public wall and pray through that public wall. And some of you wrote them on our check-in cards. I spent some significant time this week praying through those prayer requests that came in last week. And some of you are carrying some really difficult things. Some of you are going through some very hard times. Parents who simply want their kids to know and follow Jesus with everything that's in them. How do I do that? Single parents, parents of adult kids, business owners that are struggling making financial decisions that that impact people's lives, teachers that just want to see their students grow and have a a place to be safe and and to succeed and know true joy and peace and love. And my heart breaks for some of what is being faced in our church right now. What do I do about that? Well, you pray. And you pray again. And see what God will do. And some of you have some incredible hopes and dreams. You have some ideas. You have some vision. You have some opportunity before you. You're asking for wisdom. We have some teenagers that are are asking God to help them. Their wall is what they, what they should do with their career. Where should they go to college? We we have uh, new babies being born, right? And people want to see them be healthy and strong. We have young marriages that are getting ready to start. All kinds of different things are happening out there, and you guys are saying, "God, that's my wall. I want you to make. I want to make a difference in the education system. I want to make a difference in the business community. I want to make a difference in our world." At Branch Life Church, we're praying a big prayer. We want 15 churches in 15 years. That's crazy. I know. That's God crazy. That's something that only God could do. And so I want to take my wall and say, what could I, a cupbearer to the king, how, what difference could I make about rebuilding walls? What could I, just a, a, a sinful guy in, in Coventry, Pennsylvania, do to see more churches start all around the Northeast? Nothing. God has to do it. And so I pray and I pray again. That God would do what only He could do. And so what is your wall? And today I want to encourage you with this: you can't be a perfect leader, but you can be a praying leader. And we've said this in different ways over the years. You can't be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. You can't be a perfect boss, but you can be a praying boss. You can't be a perfect teacher, but you can be a praying teacher. You can't be a perfect coach, but you can be a praying coach. You can't be a perfect team leader, but you can be a praying team leader. And that is the essential quality of any influential leader is that they pray and they pray again. So dad, pray over your family. Husband, pray over your wife. Wife, pray over your business. Coach, pray over your team. Church, pray over our world, pray over our small groups, pray over our, our outreach, pray over our, uh, for a deeper connection to Christ, but let's pray and pray again. And what if, what if we spent 14 minutes a day for the next 14 days pr- praying dangerous prayers? Wow. My teacher, my teacher, my son's teacher, Will, in fourth grade, can you believe the gall of this guy? He assigns him 30 minutes of reading a day <laughs> every day my son forgets this it is a standing assignment right you have to read for 30 minutes a day from 3:30 when you get home till 9 o'clock when you go to bed at some point you've got to carve out 30 minutes and you've got to pray but there's so many other things that need to happen in that 30 minutes and every time we try to remind him, he goes, oh, I can't believe I did it. Can I please skip it? Can I do that? Do 15 now, 15. Can you do it for me? I cannot do it for you. And why would the teacher assign him 30 minutes of reading a day? Well, reading matters, right? You need to learn to read. We're going to learn to read because we use reading in every area of our life. And if you can read for 30 minutes a day in fourth grade, it's going to transform your life. What if we prayed for 15 minutes a day? What if we prayed dangerous, bold prayers, search me and send me? What if we asked God to do what only God could do? And what if we all did it every day? Oh, my word, the sky's the limit. It would transform your family. It would transform your neighborhood. It would transform our church. Why? Because we'd be tap- tapping into the power of heaven to make a difference here on earth. And so we have seven days left in this challenge. Seven days where we're asking you to pray For 14 minutes, if you prayed five minutes before breakfast, five minutes before lunch, five minutes before dinner, you're done. It's easy. It is. It's easy. You just have to plan to pray persistently. And what if we prayed to the incredible God of heaven? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can think or imagine, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen? Amen. God and Heavenly Father, we come before you today as a church and as a friends of Branch Life Church to to God say, We're sorry. We're sorry for our pride and we confess our pride. And God, in this moment, we admit that we need you every moment of the day, that we can't survive, we can't thrive, and we can't lead without you. And so, God, will you lead us and send us to make a difference in this world for your great name? Would you use us to do things that we can't even think or ask? And God, would you, would you help us to have an impact for the name of Jesus and for his great glory? And God, would you guide us each individually and as families to at least for the next seven days, pray for 14 minutes a day? And help us, Lord, in this season to be known as people and as a church who prays persistent, intentional, powerful dynamic and dangerous prayers as we come boldly before you. God, we, Branch Life Church, need you. Do what only you can do. In your precious holy name we prayed. Amen. If you have not yet had a conversation with God about your own personal salvation, we'd love to talk to you about what that means. You can check it out online at any time, and after the service, our prayer team will be here to pray with you if you have anything you need to pray for. Hey guys, I hope that that was an encouragement to you. I hope the quality we talked about today will help you be a better leader tomorrow. And Before you log off, we'd love to connect with you. The best way to do that is to go to rangelife.church and check in. You can also make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or to follow us online. Wherever you are connected, we'd love to connect with you. We hope to see you next time as we dive deeper into leadership.